Oh, thanks for that. Um, Alvin and Megan. All right, it's, it's good to be in church tonight, and uh, I've been asked to speak tonight, so I'm grateful for the opportunity. You can always tell on a Wednesday night who's preaching because he's the one with the tie, so <laughs> that's all right. So over, over the last week, uh, I've been studying the topic of biblical balance, and it's something that um, I guess it's, it's more and more important these days that we have balance in every area of our life, especially this world's moving so quickly away from God and away from his principles that even just a few generations ago, if you told someone that we would be struggling today with who is a man and who is a woman, I'm pretty sure they'd be shaking their heads in disbelief and would not believe that we'd be struggling with that concept today. And this confusion reigns across many areas, and, and these are areas all that the Bible is so definite about that somehow man has managed to confuse the whole lot of them. We must have the correct balance across all aspects of our lives so we can be sure of ourselves when the world hurls all of its doubts and accusations at us. And it's the Bible alone that will give us this correct balance. There is no humanistic teaching, no studies that have been done that can be counted on and trusted like the never-changing Word of God. So I'll just open with a word of prayer now. Heavenly Father, thank you for tonight. I thank you for this opportunity, Lord. We've had to sing um, some hymns, Lord, and glorify your name. I thank you that you are such a great God and, and just a giver of so many good things to us. I pray, Lord, you'd help me tonight. Help me, Lord, to uh, just to rightly divide your word. And I pray, Father, that above all you'd be glorified, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. We need the grace of God combined with humility and a good biblical knowledge to be able to live balanced lives. We also need to have our minds and our bodies under subjection and we need the strengthening and the quickening that only the Holy Spirit can give us to maintain balance on a daily basis. 1 Corinthians 9.25, if you turn there please. I'll read also um, 26 and 27. <clears throat> and this just gives us a bit of a, um, this verse just tells us about the importance of having our flesh in subjection. 1 Corinthians 9.25 And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. But I keep <clears throat> under my body and bring it unto subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. We read here, the Apostle Paul tells us about the importance of our flesh being under control. When we look at the Bible and we think of King Solomon, he's someone who had seen it all and he tried it all. He had many, many wives. He'd done massive building projects from his own houses through to the temple. Uh, he had, he'd imported many animals and different slaves from different places. The Bible talks about his stables too, which you can still actually see uh, remnants of them today in Israel. He also had enormous wealth, gold, silver, and many precious items like that. And with all this in experience in his life, at the end, he understood that he still wasn't in control and things just happened and there was just nothing he could do. Even though he had tried it all and he had it all, he was not fulfilled in that. So therefore, we should not, to be, we should not expect to be able to control our circumstances with our limited resources and experiences. Solomon tells us in Ecclesiastes 3.1, to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. Even he knew this great King Solomon who experienced everything that life has to offer, he could write down his reflections under the direction of the Holy Spirit for us to learn from today. 
And it's amazing how after he lived with all that, he could summarise life at the end of Ecclesiastes like this. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. So Solomon, after all his life experiences, that's what it came down to for him, and, and he knew it. Fear God, keep his commandments. Balance is what I'm talking about tonight, and I believe it's very underrated and it's very overlooked. But it's so important in a person's life. Because we look at people who seem to be living happy, fulfilled lives, and we wonder how and why. But we miss the fact that the balance in their lives plays a very large part in their spiritual, mental, and physical fulfillment and stability. Balance is like the keel of a ship that is unseen but of extreme importance to keep that vessel upright. <clears throat> and so are the things that we should be doing, like the keel of a ship, to maintain balance in life. They are mostly unseen but of utmost importance and we would be shipwrecked without these things. And just like a performer balancing on a tightrope, their balance is the key that prevents them from toppling over and falling down. Their ability to balance is the result of much unseen strength work, training and focus on what they are attempting to do. Tonight I've got a few points that I'll cover and they're broad and they're general. There are so many things we could talk about in regards to life and having balance in life. Um, but the principles... To, to correct any imbalances are always the same. We search the scriptures for the answers and the examples that we need while we pray to God to reveal his word to us. And then what we can also do on top of that is ask people who have experienced things and that can also give us advice to help us to apply principles to our life. So the first point, if you turn to, um, actually turn to Matthew chapter 10 for now, but uh, the first point I want to talk about is relationships in balance. This is by far the most important one, I believe. God must be number one and prioritised above all else. We are commanded this in his word and no less is expected. We have no reason to ever put anyone or anything before the Lord, no matter what our circumstances are. Matthew 6.33 is clear here. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. All these things was talking about your physical needs. So we know that we cannot put those before God. Matthew 10, where you are now, we'll look at 37 to 39. He that loveth father and mother more than me is not worthy of me, and he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it, and he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. So here we read that no person is more important than our relationship with God. These verses make it clear that God is to be first and foremost in all we do. In fact, if you don't put him first, you will actually end up losing all these things that you're striving for instead of God and his will. It is crazy to not love God first and put his will for us as a priority in our lives if we truly believe in eternity and the rewards that will come for those that love God. If you do not put God first, you simply do not understand who God really is. You may just see him as this distant, loving, benevolent being, um, but the Bible also says when you have a look, you have a look at the, the Jesus that John saw in Revelation, have a look at the God that Isaiah saw in the temple, that's also who God is, and we need to realise this. We need to get a correct view of God and who he is, obeying and following him because 
and that becomes what we desire to do. We are to love God, and loving God means keeping His commandments. This is a direct commandment in the Scriptures, and this is essential to maintaining balance in our life. God created us, and He instructs us. So isn't it logical to follow the manufacturer's guidelines and instructions to get the most out of anything? This is true of anything that we buy these days, and especially true with our, great, with our Creator, as we are the product of an all-powerful God who loves us, and He wants the very best for us. John 14, 15 says, If you love me, keep my commandments. We cannot serve, love, pray to, honour, glorify or exalt God too much. Being fully committed to God and living for him will bring perfect balance to your lives. Focusing on him more and more while focusing... um, Focusing on him more and more while focusing on our issues, care and concerns less and less will result in a biblical balance in all areas of your life. Then the other relationships in your life will, be, will begin to be in correct order and, the, and in correct balance as a result. We're saying this, the people we place in order after God are also very important to have a good balance there. If you are married, after God comes your wife or husband, not you. Next comes your children, not you. After this, other family members, including the family of God, as God leads, not you. If you are unmarried, God is still first before any family and friends. When you put yourself, your desires, your wants, or your self-satisfaction in front of the needs of others, then you are out of balance first. Turn to Philippians chapter 2, a very, very well-known passage here. But this just, we just see the mind of Jesus on this area. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And we saw Christ do that when he died for us on the cross. Now, obviously the Bible is clear also that we need to look after ourselves. We just don't completely neglect ourselves and put 100% effort into every other person. We need to look after ourselves, maintain good hygiene and keep as healthy as possible. But if looking after yourself becomes an obsession to the point where, where God or others are missing out, then um, you are out of balance. You need to look, we need to look after ourselves so therefore we, we will be in a position to be able to help others. That's why we need to look after ourselves. We need to help others in their time of need especially. And the Bible says um, that our bodies are a temple of the Holy Ghost because we're bought with a price. So we have value, the value that Christ died for, so therefore our bodies need to be looked after. The Bible commands us to provide for others, especially our own, or we deny the faith and we're worse than a pagan. This might sound a bit rough, but this is, but this is the truth we find in the Bible and it's not an option. To live a life pleasing to God means you will put others before yourself and this will result in your physical, emotional and spiritual needs being met as only God can orchestrate. 1 Timothy 5.8 says, If any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith, and is worse than an infidel. So having balance in our relationships is the first thing we need to look at to make sure we're living lives that God can bless. We need to be willing, ready vessels, desiring and acting accordingly to receive from God and then pour out those blessings to other people. Having our relationships in, in order and in balance is a big step in the right direction for this. Next is uh, our service imbalance. 
We can be guilty of imbalance in our lives even when serving, and that can be serving in the church. You might think, how can this be when you've just told me how important it is for God? Well, (laughs) yes, God does come first, but it all comes down to motives and the spirit in which you're serving. You might be thinking that I've contradicted myself about loving God with, with your everything. You might think that I can't serve God incorrectly if it's for God, but we actually can do many things supposedly in God's service, but really it's for selfish reasons. Just think about the hypocrisy of the Pharisees that Jesus pointed out. Some people serve to make sure it's being done exactly how they want it done or so they, or they, or so they can tick it off a list. Some people will serve just to be seen of man. Some people will serve because they don't want someone else to get any praise and glory if they do it. Some people will serve because they actually enjoy serving and being with other people. These are not correct motives and they create imbalances. Are we doing things for the right motives? Are they for the glory of God? That's what our service should be for. Is there another motive in your serving? If you turn to Luke chapter 10, verse, and we'll go from 38 to 42, I've no doubt you've heard this passage preached on many times, the famous one of Martha and Mary. <clears throat> Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister have left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, Thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary have chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. So you see, Martha in this passage was guilty of serving the Lord Jesus in her flesh. And this is a great danger to us today. She was so busy doing this and that that she got annoyed with her sister who was sitting at the feet of Jesus and to her seemingly doing nothing. The Lord corrected her after she complained and pointed out that Mary had made the right choice and not her. And we know that the judgment of Jesus is flawless, so he had discerned this situation perfectly. Mary was feeding her spirit and receiving what Jesus had to give at that time. But Martha was in the flesh doing the things that she thought was best, not what God thought was best. We can get to the point where our serving attitude is all about the work and making sure it gets done. The work becomes more important than getting from God. And this is an imbalance that you have to correct. An imbalance is always wrong, even when you think it's in service for Jesus. And this is exactly what Martha had thought and Jesus had to correct her. Looking at ourselves today, are we serving because we want to hang around our friends or are we serving because we love God and want to please him? Are we singing up front because we want people to know just how gifted we are? Or are we singing up front because we want to glorify God and edify the brethren? Are we fellowshipping with other Christians, not for edification, but just simply to know stuff about them and others, instead of genuine care and concern? These are all big concerns if you have any other motive than glorifying God or to be a genuine help to the brethren, which also glorifies God. We will tend to worry about others in the wrong way when we are unbalanced, just like Martha started to point the finger at Mary. And on top of that, we miss the things that Jesus has for us if we're cumbered about with other things. Understand that we are imbalanced when we are not producing spiritual fruit from our service. 
All other fruit is of the flesh and is not pleasing to God. We must be balanced in our service to the Lord. It's very easy to be serving in the flesh. And if that's the case for you or me, then there is no eternal reward for what we've just done. And that's why Jesus pointed out that Mary was doing the needful thing. Next up is our convictions in balance. I want to look at the importance of creating and living out godly, balanced convictions and some steps that we can take to do this. The Bible, as it always does, can wrap up a whole sermon in about you know, two verses and it takes, takes us about a week to preach it. <laughs> so if you turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 16, I'm guilty of reading these verses a hundred times and never really studying them, but there's absolutely amazing amounts of things that you can learn from these two small verses in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13 and 14. It says, Watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit you like men, be strong, let all your things be done with charity. So right there we've got five steps for building convictions, godly balanced convictions in our life. Firstly, the passage says to be watchful, watch ye. By being on our guard, we can be alert to spiritual danger and that will help develop our discernment and convictions in balance. Learn to recognise the prompting of the Holy Spirit and that it's not your flesh or your emotions pulling at you. Make sure it's God. Samson is the classic example of someone who had the power of God on him but failed to be alert to spiritual and physical danger because of lust for a woman. Keep a watch by knowing the word and recognising the false thinking which is predominant in our lives, especially where humanism today questions the Bible and the truth. We need to be on the lookout for all subtle temptations and wrong motives. Determine unwise and destructive friendships that you might be building. Try and foresee conflicts and problems before they happen. Cut them off before they wreak havoc in your life and the life of others. We have to keep a watch. Secondly, to keep our convictions in balance, the passage says to stand fast. Stand firm in the faith and to the truths that you know that God has laid on your heart and what you've been taught by your parents, your pastor or other godly people around you. Think of Daniel in the Old Testament, how he stood firm to the true God and was greatly blessed because of his his stance. Base your convictions on God's standards in the Bible and stay true to them, just like Daniel's three, th- three friends did, even when all others will fall around you and worship the golden image. Strong, balanced convictions requires steadfastness. Third you, quit you like men, or acquit yourselves with courage and patience. Building balanced convictions will take courage and patience because people will question your, will question your sanity in the face of what the world is doing compared to you and your stance on the Bible. God promised Joshua that he would succeed wherever he went if only he would faithfully perform one thing, and that was to meditate upon God's word night and day. It's through the soaking in of God's word in everyday life that we will be equipped to be courageous and in in the face of any opposition and danger. Fourthly, this passage says, We need to be strong. This is being strong in the face of danger. Be strong in the might of God and be filled with the Spirit of God. And this is of the utmost importance to make sure we're fully suited up in the armour of God. We have to be to live out our convictions. We will be attacked all the time. Be genuine and live out your convictions in your life and be prepared to stand alone for your convictions. 
Now, you don't need to force your convictions on others. They will see the results of balanced convictions in your life and they, if they're wise, they'll ask what you've got. Elijah was a great example of standing strong against many servants of Baal in serving the one true God. And finally, verse 14 brings the importance of charity and the balance it can bring to all situations. We need to be doing everything in love. So what does this look like? How we react to situations. Do we react with love in hard times or with rashness and anger? We also make sure when dealing with others, do we esteem them higher than ourselves? This is showing love. We need to demonstrate a servant's heart in all that we do. We need to have a teachable spirit. We need to watch for pride. And with God's help, we need to conquer pride in our life. We need to see situations from the other person's perspective. And we don't have to be consumed with getting it right or getting things our way. Be patient with people when they're trying to develop their own biblical convictions. And just like Jesus taught, we need to overcome evil with the opposite. And that is doing good. These five steps will enable you to live out and to have godly convictions in a balanced way. There is no point in being right about everything if you're just offending everyone in the process. You are not pleasing God if your hard-heartedness is driving others away from God and his church instead of bringing them towards him and his people. If you turn to James chapter 1, please. In concluding... It's really, really important to see that our prayers are hindered if we're double-minded, unbalanced and unstable. In other words, living our life with no godly balance. Your whole life will lurch from drama to drama and you'll never seem to be able to get on top of things and you'll be forever chasing your tail. I'll read uh, from James chapter 1 from 2 to 8. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers' temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways." The promises of a fulfilled life will seem like an eternity away and you may even end up getting to the point of saying this is pointless and just walking away all from all that God has for you. You could walk away from the very thing right when you're there that you're seeking after and this is because of an imbalance or a lack of faith and we could pay a very high price if we do that. There's only three areas that I've looked at tonight and there are so many more that we could study. You could look at balance with your time, balance with your finances, balance with heaps of different areas. <clears throat> but what we can do is we can um, look at Proverbs 16:11, which says, A just weight and balance are the Lord's. All the weights of the bag are his work. And this verse, it provides a clear idea to the spiritual intent of living and leading a balanced life. We must realise all the answers are in God's word. This proverb tells us that all things are God's and that he is and must always be the standard by which we measure everything. He and his character are a true balance. Everything about him outweighs any capability, talent, capacity or knowledge that we might have in comparison to him. 
Balance is what he determines it to be by the laws and the principles that he has given to us, which he also followed when he was on earth and he lived his life as an example to us. Jesus knows exactly what we're going through. That's why he's given us the word. Proverbs 11.1, 1, A false balance is abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. Just as God expects scales and balances to be used with fairness and equity in general society, our lives must also be the same way. We have no excuse. His word is clear on this subject. I'll pray now. Thank you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for tonight, Lord. I thank you so much for what your words taught me, Lord, and just the things that we can apply to our lives and just make us more fruitful for your glory. I pray, Lord, that you would just help the rest of the night, Lord, be with, be with the brethren as we pray now, Lord. I pray that you hear our prayers. May we be praying in faith too, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that you would just always um, give us the strength and the wisdom to be able to live balanced lives as you, as you want us to, I pray, Lord. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.